My message this morning is entitled, The Work of the Holy Spirit. Over the last few weeks, I've really been focusing on Jesus as our Savior, as our King, and just how grateful we are. I don't know about you, I'm so grateful about everything that Jesus has done for us, for His mercy, for His love, you know, for saving us, for coming and sacrificing His life. Not only at the cross, but his entire life, the way he lived sacrificially so that you and I could be saved. There had to be an offering that was made for the redemption of our sins, to take our sins away. There had to be an offering, and he became that offering. And I'm so grateful that Jesus is my Savior, that he's our Savior. <clears throat> so when I was looking at, you know, <clears throat> next year and really speaking to the Lord about this, I really felt the Lord wanted me to go to the book of Acts. I didn't get very far, and there's just three points that I want to make this morning that I feel are so important for us to understand. The first thing I want to say, and this is not one of the points, but just an interesting fact, is that in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is referenced 85 times. I remember praying about this this one morning when I was, began to prepare the sermon, and I kind of said to the Lord, you know, Lord, like, you know, I need to see more, like, is there more like, references to the Holy Spirit? Immediately, I felt, go to the book of Acts and just do a search. So I did a search, and I saw 85 times. I then did a search on Jesus, and Jesus is referenced 65 times, 69 times. So the Holy Spirit is referenced more than Jesus in the book of Acts. Does that make the Holy Spirit more important than Jesus? Absolutely not. It's just that the book of Acts is where the Holy Spirit's work begins in a completely new way as to in the, in the past. So it's like Jesus in the beginning of the book of Acts, we see his sacrifice, we see what he does, and then the work of the Spirit begins, and it's really endless throughout the book of Acts, which is the Acts of the Apostles or Acts of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so let's go to the book of Acts and see what it is that he says and why is it that the Holy Spirit is such an important part of the New Testament church? So he starts out, the writer who is, who is Luke, he starts out by saying, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. So he's <clears throat> referring to his previous book that was written, or letter that was written, which is the book of Luke, the book of Luke. So he's talking to Theophilus, writing to Theophilus, referencing that, and then he goes on in verse 2, and he says, until the day in which he was taken up. That's the reference to the book of Luke. He spoke about all that happened in Jesus's life up until the moment that he was taken up. Now watch. Now he's about to begin the book of Acts. After he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to, all, to the apostles whom he had chosen. I want you to see something important here. He, he references the word commandments. How many of you know what a commandment is? A commandment is an instruction. It's not optional. Are you guys with me? A commandment is something that we are instructed to do. If the Bible says this is a commandment, that means that we should, we should obey. We should be obedient towards that commandment, that instruction. So he says that after he, through the Holy Spirit, this is Jesus, 
through the Holy Spirit was given commandments, and those commandments were given to the apostles. Immediately here, as he begins to talk about the work of God in the book of Acts, he references even Jesus, who was inspired by the Holy Spirit to give these commandments. I want you to see that. It's important, and you'll understand hopefully why as we go on this morning. So we understand that he's going to give some commandments. He, he explains and references when these commandments are given. Watch. He says, to whom he also, this is verse 3, presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So Jesus, obviously, during his time after being resurrected, was with his disciples and spoke to them and gave them commandments and instructions and things that they should do after he's taken up. Now watch. And being assembled together with them, he commanded. Everybody say commanded. So again, we see you say commanded, I say commanded. Let's call the whole thing off, okay? All right. <laughs> Same thing. Tomato, tomato. Okay. So, <laughs> for, he commanded, <laughs> I want you to see, he commanded, commanded them not to depart. Sorry, guys, I can't take the African out of me. It's just there, okay? <laughs> and this is such an important point, and it's not funny. Okay, all right. <clears throat> so, being assembled together with him, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Everybody say, from me. So this is his instruction. He says, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. These are Jesus' words. And I want you to see something because I've preached this a hundred times. I've read this and referenced this and studied this thousands of times. And I've always spoken about it as that the commandment was to wait. No, the commandment was what was going to happen after they waited. The commandment was this, is that they were to wait for the promise of the Father. Because when the promise of the Father came, He would baptize them with the Holy Spirit. Something was about to happen to the disciples. Something unbelievable was about to happen. And Jesus said, listen, you have to wait because this, the promise of the Father is coming. He says, let me read it for you. He says, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. What is that? Which he said, you have heard from me, from me, from him, Jesus. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The first commandment, the first instruction, the first point of this morning's sermon is that we are to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is not a request. This is not an option. This is a command. We are commanded in Scripture to wait. Wait for what? Before we try anything. To experience the baptism of the Spirit. Now you must understand that the apostles are already saved. The disciples are saved. Jesus met with them when he appeared to them the first time. And the Bible says he blew on them and gave them the Holy Spirit. They already had the Spirit. They were already very saved. But something different happened to them later. And Jesus is saying, listen, before you do anything, you have to wait for the Spirit to baptize you. 
You have to wait for the promise of the Father. And He's going to come upon you. And something is going to happen. Are you guys with me? The baptism of the Spirit is not an option. Now, these words, baptism of the Spirit, this is not the first time we heard of it. Jesus referenced what He spoke here Himself. Or let me say this, Luke referenced what Jesus spoke himself, but John the Baptist also spoke these words. Let's go and have a look at it. Mark 3, verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So John the Baptist prophesies about Jesus who would come And he would not only baptize you with water, but you would be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus then references, listen, he says, you've heard from me. He says that you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Are you guys all with me? Now, I want you to see what this baptism is. What is this baptism? What are we referring to? And where do we see it in Scripture? How do we see it play out? I'm so glad you're asking. Let's go to Acts 11. Acts 11, verse 16. This is Peter the, Peter, the apostle, the disciple. He's standing in front of the council in Jerusalem because the Holy Spirit had fallen on the Gentiles. He had come upon the Gentiles He had baptized the Gentiles with the Holy Spirit. This is what happened to them. And the people in Jerusalem were mad at Peter that this took place. So he's going to explain what happened. Watch this now. This is so important. He says in Acts 11, 16, while he's explaining everything, Then I remembered the word of the Lord. How he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What is he referencing? He's referencing the beginning of the book of Acts. He's referencing where Jesus told him that you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he's busy saying, listen, that what happened to the Gentiles, this happened to them because Jesus said that it would happen. This is important because it shows that it was not only for the disciples. Come on, somebody. It fell on the Gentiles. No names. We don't know any of them except Cornelius. But the Holy Spirit came upon all of them. They were all baptized with the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's only one baptism. You don't know what you're talking about. Rather be quiet. This is in the Bible. It's a commandment. It's an instruction. Amen. Now let's go and read a little bit more about this account. Because of time, I can't read the whole story. But essentially what happens is Peter has a vision. And in the vision, he, has, he sees unclean animals and God speaks to him. And then all of a sudden, there's a knock at the door. And this is what takes place. Let's have a look at it. Now, understand, I'm not actually reading the event. I'm reading him reference the event to the council in Jerusalem. He says in verse, Acts 11, verse 10. Acts 11, verse 10. 
Now this was done three times. This is the vision. And all were drawn up again into heaven. At that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was, having been sent from me to Caesarea. Then the Spirit told me to go with them. This is awesome. Up until this point, it was Jesus that spoke to him. But now it wasn't Jesus speaking to him. It was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was speaking to him. Why? Because on the day of Pentecost, something happened to them. On the day of Pentecost, they were baptized with the Spirit. And their eyes and ears were open and they were able to hear and see. Amen. He actually says, then the Spirit told me to go with him. Nothing is written in Scripture by mistake. Or it's not just there because it looks cool. There's a reason why it's there. You need to understand that the Holy Spirit is busy working on the earth right now. Throughout the book of Acts, he's speaking, he's working, he's operating, he's moving, he's touching, he's delivering, he's setting free. He's speaking to Peter. So Peter hears him and goes with. Then the Spirit told me, verse 12, go with them doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, send men to Joppa. And call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. And I began to speak, and the Holy Spirit fell upon. Everybody say upon. The Holy Spirit fell upon them. The Holy Spirit fell upon them. If you read the actual story, the Bible says the Holy Spirit fell upon them, and they began to speak in tongues. They began, to, they began to speak in tongues. They began to prophesy. They, things began to manifest. But that's not important this morning. Let's keep the, our focus. Amen. Stay with me. The Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. See, when the Holy Spirit fell upon them in the beginning, we'll read the reference in just a moment, they also began to speak. Are you with me? Now watch. Then I remembered the words of the Lord, how he said to me, John, indeed, baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Watch now, watch, watch carefully. As was with us in the beginning, the Holy Spirit came upon them. I'll show this to you in a minute. Now he's busy preaching, and the Holy Spirit falls upon them. He then remembers the words of Jesus, you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. How did it happen? He came upon them. He came upon them. There is a difference between within and upon. You need to understand this. The Holy Spirit will come within you when you get saved. And that is your salvation. But that's not where it ends. You are also called and commanded to also receive what the Holy Spirit wants to do with your life. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us, then we, when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? So we see clearly that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when the Spirit came upon them. This can't be denied. Because you see it clearly if you walk through the book of Acts and come to the e-course, I'll explain it to you. But there's no question that this is what happened. Are you guys all with me? So we see in Acts 1-4, 
He, he commands them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Let's quickly read that. Acts 2 verse 1. Let's see what happened. We understand that the Holy Spirit came upon the Gentiles. What about them on the day of Pentecost? Jesus told them they would be baptized with the Spirit not many days from now. Tarry in Jerusalem. Wait in Jerusalem. Let's see what happened. Acts 2.1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a, a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, watch now, and one sat, what? Upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. He came upon them with the Gentiles. He came upon them. And when that happened, there was a manifestation. They actually began to be able to move in the things of the Spirit. This is not a new concept. This concept exists in the Old Testament. The difference is, is that the Holy Spirit didn't stay with him like he does with us. It's very rare that you see something like that. The Bible says that King David, when he was anointed, the Spirit came upon him and didn't leave him from that day. But it's not normally like that. Let me show you. Let's go to Joel 2, 28. Joel 2, 28. Actually, let's go to 2 Chronicles 20, 14. We'll come back to Joel 2 in just a moment. 2 Chronicles 20, 14. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Metaniah, a Levite of the son of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all you of Judea and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord. What's happening? The Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. Immediately there's a manifestation. He begins to speak. He begins to prophesy. Are you with me? Take a look at this. 1 Samuel 10, verse number 9. This is King Saul. So it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. When they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the Spirit of God came upon, everyone say upon, and he prophesied among them. He didn't do it again. It only happened when the Spirit came upon him. Now watch what Joel says. The prophet Joel prophesied about what would take place on the day of Pentecost. Take a look at this. Let's go to Joel 2, 28. Are you all with me? Joel 2, 28. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on. Everybody say on. Or upon, on all flesh. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Then something will happen. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Bam. You see, before this, Peter didn't hear the Holy Spirit's voice. Peter was only able to hear the Holy Spirit's voice after the day of Pentecost when the Spirit came upon him. The Holy Spirit spoke to him. How? 
visions, dreams, prophecy. The Holy Spirit speaks an inner voice, a still small voice, a dream, a vision. Come on, guys. Are you with me? This is, this is milk. This is not meat, just so you know. This is like baby food that I'm giving you this morning. Hello? This is like basic stuff. We're real. Paul, I can prove it because the apostle says that we should move on from the elementary doctrines, the laying on of hands. He, he speaks about the, the baptisms, the doctrine of baptisms, the elementary stuff. This is, not, this is not higher grade. This is lower grade. In other words, this is stuff that we all should know. The Holy Spirit is supposed to come upon each of us. He's supposed to baptize each of us, but you have to have that desire. Jesus said, you have to wait. You have to want it. You have to desire it. You can't just do the ministry and do things without that. Without the Holy Spirit's power, you will just be giving the law. Why? Because he says, he says that, that, that those who are led by the Spirit are not under the law. How are you led by the Spirit? I hear him. He speaks to me. He shows me what to do. He tells me what to do. If I'm not led by the Spirit, I'm under the law. That's why a church without the Spirit, it's hard. It's a hard thing. Are you with me? Okay. So the first thing we see is that we are all commanded to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This commandment is clear and evident because it goes on through Scripture in the book of Acts through to the Gentiles. He comes upon them so that they can also continue to do the work of the ministry. But it doesn't end there. Let's keep going. Are you all okay? All right. Let's go back to Acts 1, verse number 6. Just to refresh. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. You can literally it's like they interrupted him. I'm busy trying to tell you something and you're thinking about the kingdom. You're missing it. Take the two verses out. Look at what it says. But you shall receive power. But you shall receive power. When? I'm so glad you're asking. When the Holy Spirit. Where is it? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So he says, you need to wait. You need to wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then they said, well, they're asking, well, when are you going to restore the kingdom? He says, listen, he says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I've showed you that the baptism of the Spirit is when the Spirit comes upon you. When the Spirit comes upon you, it's not for goosebumps and for you to shake. As nice as that is, it's for that, so that you can be empowered, so that you can receive power. You shall receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. 
The second point is that we are instructed, once we are baptized with the Spirit, the purpose is for power. What power am I talking about? Jesus explains it to us perfectly earlier in his life, but you've got to just, you've got to go find it. When Jesus is in the temple in Nazareth, watch what happens. Let's go to Luke, 6, Luke 4, verse 16. We understand the terminology. When the Spirit comes upon me, He empowers me, correct? Wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. That's another scripture to the same reference. Now watch. Luke 4, 16. Jesus is in the temple and he's about, or in the, in the synagogue, and he's about to read from Scripture. Watch this now. Luke 4, 16. So he came to Nazareth. We had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it is written. He's referencing Isaiah 61, verse 1. Watch what it says. He says this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? For power. For power. What power? The anointing. He has anointed me. He has given me power. To do what? To preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. In other words, Jesus is now sitting at the right hand of the Father. He has sent His Spirit not only so that you can be saved, but to empower you. Why? So that He has anointed you to do what? To heal the brokenhearted, to set the captive free, to restore the sight to the blind. Come on, somebody. You are called, no, you are commanded. If you're a Christian, you are supposed to have power. If you, know, if you have no power, what's wrong? Come on, somebody. You are called and instructed to receive power from the Holy Spirit, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captive free to touch those who need a touch, to restore sight to those who are blind. Come on. Listen, that sight is not only physical sight. That sight is someone that's lost their, 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 their sight of God. They're seeing God the way He truly is. So many Christians have been in church for 25 years, but they are blind. They don't have the fire of God in their lives. They don't have the zeal and the passion that comes from the only Holy Spirit. No other spirit, only the Holy Spirit, the Spirit sent from God Almighty to empower His church. You were not called to go to heaven only. You were called to be empowered, to make a difference. You see, when you talk to your children, when you've been empowered, your words carry weight. Your life begins to change. You see, that power not only works through you, it also works in you. 
the only way you'll ever really overcome is when you fully surrender to Him. You cannot overcome any other way. Because the only thing that can truly set you free is that power of His. Because in your own strength, you can't do it. Are you guys with me? So let me ask you a question. Is there power in your life? I'm not saying you must walk around and be Harry Potter. Come on. I'm talking about life-changing power. I'm talking about the ability to, to, when someone will look at you and say, man, what's happened to you? You used to be one way, but now you're different. What happened? Jesus happened. Are you with me? That's the power I'm talking about. That's the power that each and every one of us are commanded to receive. Wait. Wait. Not wait because it's fun to wait. Wait because you have to, you have to wait for it. You have to desire it. You have to long for it. It's not intellectual. Waiting happens when you're in a room praying, when you're in a room waiting, when you're in a room seeking. When you have a desire for more of Him. Are you with me? Okay. So Jesus explains what that empowerment looks like because when the Spirit of the Lord was upon Him, it was to anoint Him. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you to empower you, to anoint you, to also do these things. Look at Mark 16, verse 15. Some people actually don't like this so much it's been taken out of the Bible in some translations. It's very quiet in Vero Beach. Okay, Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will, not, will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. Why? Because they've been empowered. What signs? In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and, 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 if, anything, and, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. What is that? That's called power. That's the power of the Holy Spirit right there. Manifesting in the lives of individuals. That's what the church is supposed to look like. You're supposed to walk around and be empowered. Amen. Let's go back to Acts 1. Verse number eight. He says to them, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Those 12 did not go to the ends of the earth. They went as far as they could but you and I have to make sure that it gets to the end of the earth. This commandment was not only for a select few. It was for the whole church. 
That's why the Bible says, go into all the world and make disciples. That's the Great Commission. Disciples, believers, these signs will follow them. Why? Because they've received the power of the Holy Spirit to go about and be witnesses. Point number three is to be a witness. So you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit will come upon you to give you power to be a true witness. A true witness is someone that has and operates in power. Don't get mad at me. It's the truth. Take a look at this. When Paul had his, had his encounter with Jesus, Paul persecuted the church. Paul persecuted the church. Paul wanted to kill Christians. He was so upset with him. He has a major encounter with the Lord on the road to Damascus. He ends up in Damascus. He's blind. He can't see. And God sends Ananias to him. When Ananias gives him his word and prophesies over him and lays hands on him, his eyes open. Look at what he says. One sentence I want you to read. Let's go to Acts 22, verse 15. Acts 22, verse 15. He says, For you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and what you have heard. You that are sitting here this morning has experienced, the majority of you have experienced already his goodness, his mercy, his love, his salvation. But you are also supposed to experience his deliverance, his healing, his power in your life. Well, you know, God didn't heal that one. I, God, I don't understand why God doesn't always heal someone, but I've seen him heal people many times, and it's wonderful. I've seen pain, I've seen joy, I've seen celebration, I've seen crying, I've seen it all. But I still serve Him. Don't think there were miracles every single time in Scripture. There weren't. Are you with me? God's power is His power. We are His vessels. We follow His commandments. We pray. We do. Listen, I've prayed for people and I think to myself, oh man, this was, there was no power here. Nothing happened. All I, but I followed Scripture. I followed the command. Next thing, the person's life is completely radically changed. Next thing, the person's healed from some sickness. Many times, many, many times. Hello, are you out there? Somebody out there? This is what we are called to do. We are called to be saved. We are called to experience the empowerment of the Spirit so that we can be effective witnesses of all that we see and hear Him do. Reading His Scripture, but we're also supposed to live it. It's supposed to be part of our lives. Your children are supposed to see you change. Your family are supposed to see you change. Your, your wife is supposed to see you change. Your wife is supposed to see you change. Your wife is supposed to see you change. Your husband is supposed to see you change. If there's no change, there's no power, something's wrong. It's time for you to get into a posture of surrender and say, Lord, I need your power. I need you to touch me, Lord. I need you to fill me with your spirit because I need to be led by your spirit because I can't do this on my own. Are you with me? I can't do this on my own. I can only do it with his power. You are called to be witnesses. To be a witness. I've been saved since 19, I mean, I grew up in a Christian home. Served the Lord, I was like 
in South Africa, we have head boys. I was head boy in my school because I was a good leader and I was a good boy and I prayed and all this stuff. But I didn't, I didn't have a relationship with the Lord. I knew him from afar. And in 1997, I walked into church and got touched by the Spirit of God in such a profound way that my whole life was turned inside out, upside down. Never the same since that moment, since I encountered the Lord for myself. Never the same. But I've been serving the Lord that way since 97. Filled with the Spirit, baptized with the Spirit. Visions and dreams and miracles and encounters and angels. And you, I, I can, How much time do you have? It's been an amazing journey. But in the process, along with the amazing, have been the valleys. And the valleys have been difficult. People turning against you, family turning against you, difficult times, financial difficult times throughout the years, bad things happening, people dying, all kinds of tragedies, still filled with the Spirit, still baptized with the Spirit, still empowered, but, but losing something. Let me show you something. You see, when John the Baptist spoke about the baptism of the Spirit, he spoke about something else as well. Let's quickly go there. Let's go to Matthew 3, verse 11. Matthew 3, verse 11. I'm almost done. He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you, watch now, with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Over the years, I have watched this fire in so many Christians go out. Their zeal, their passion, their fervency, their desire go out. And when I was praying this week, and even before this week, the Lord really said to me, this is the year that the church will be set on fire again. Listen to me. I can burn with fire and passion and zeal, but only you are the one who can ask the Lord to reignite those, those flames, that fire, that passion in you. One of my favorite stories in the book of Acts, it's such a simple story, is when Jesus is walking with the two men on the road to Emmaus. And they say this after he encounters them. They say, they say, that they say did our hearts not burn with passion? Did our hearts not burn with fire when he opened up the scriptures to us? When the Spirit becomes real to you and begins to move on you, He also fills you and baptizes you with a fire. Over the next few weeks, leading into the Holy Spirit Fire Conference, I'm going to teach you about this fire. 
I'm going to show you from the scriptures what this fire represents. But let me tell you something. In order for you to survive what's coming in the coming days, you will need the fire of God to burn bright in your life, to burn bright in your heart, in order for you to be an effective witness, in order for you to be an effective disciple. You, would need, you need the baptism, you need the Holy Spirit, and you need the fire of God to be the menorah, to be the light in your life, to be the seven flames of the one Holy Spirit, to speak out of the fire. You need that fire to keep your passion going, to keep your zeal going. Otherwise, you become passionless, dry, and boring. Come on, somebody, give the Lord a clap. I believe 2024 will be the year of keeping the fire burning, igniting the fire in our lives. Each and every one of us will have the desire and passion Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I know what it's like for that fire to go out. It went out in me. And it took me to a place of complete brokenness. Where I actually didn't even want to live anymore. And I cried out to the God out of total desperation and and he heard me. And he filled me again. This was before I planted the church. And I thought ministry was over for me. And here I am. And I don't even know how this happened. All I know is this. Is that when God spoke to me about planting this church, he said, take my fire. Take my fire by teaching and demonstrating my love and power to them. Listen, I, I, I have nothing else to offer you except Him Amen. and His power and His love that will transform your lives. But you have to want it for yourself. Please don't come here. To, if you want to just fill seats, go somewhere else. I want to see your life changed. I want to see you in love with Jesus. I want to see you hungry and thirsty for his presence. Listen, this morning when we were worshiping, there was a few moments there where you could feel the, the congregation. You could feel you guys having a desire. When we were singing about the Alpha and the Omega, when we were singing about his mercy and his goodness, when you have that desire, that, that zeal in your heart, it burns inside you, and you just want to worship God. There's nothing like his presence. There's nothing like his spirit. But it has to be your desire. It has to be your desire. The refiner's fire comes from heaven and burns out the junk in your life. That fire purifies your heart. That, prior, that fire changes you into the other man. It's, the prophet was in the presence of God and they said, he said a coal of fire was taken and it burnt his lips. And, he, and he, said, he, said, he said, I am undone for I'm a man of unclean lips. That fire changes your heart towards God. You realize how insignificant you are and how mighty and awesome and wonderful he is and how powerful he is. And until we get into that posture, we will not see his glory. The way that he desires to pour it out. Listen, Oceans Unite Christian Center. It's going to happen. Are we going to be part of it or aren't we? It's going to happen. This is the year that it's going to happen. Oh, Lord, I desire you. Oh, Lord, I desire your fire. I desire you, Holy Spirit, with all of my heart. 
Lord, for each and every one in this place this morning. Fill them afresh, God, this morning. Holy Spirit, touch them even there in their seats this morning. Lord, don't let one leave this place the same way they came in. I don't even have to call them to the front, God. You know who they are. They're in this place and their hearts are stirred like their hearts were stirred on the road to Emmaus. Holy Spirit, I pray this morning that you touch them, that you fill them, that you encounter them this morning, that they be filled with your, with your power from on high. Holy Spirit, change us, change us us like you did with Saul when you gave him another heart, Lord. Give us another heart, God, that we can follow you and serve you and worship you and have a desire for, for you. And Lord, I pray that not only will you baptize us afresh with your, with your Holy Spirit this morning, but that you will put your fire on us again, Lord. Give us that hunger, that joy of our salvation once again, Father. Fill us afresh this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray right now, just fall upon them, Lord. Just fall upon them this morning. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Now just raise your hands. Just begin to speak to the Lord just for a moment. Just for a moment, just for a moment. We worship you. Just tell Him how much you love Him this morning. Just tell Him how grateful you are that He saved you. Just tell Him this morning that your life belongs to Him. He gave His life for you. Give your life to Him this morning. Oh, Holy Spirit. Fall upon us this morning, Holy Spirit. Fall upon us again this morning, Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, church. Let's give the Lord a big clap. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise this morning in this place, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Never the same, God. In our bellies, Lord, did you not say that there would be rivers of living water that would flow out of our bellies? We love you, Jesus. Father, I pray for your church this morning. This is the last day of the year. Lord, let us end strong. Let us be hungry for you and thirsty for you. Let us desire you with everything inside of us. And as we go into this new year, Lord, let your fire fall on each and every one of us. I desire your fire in my family. I desire your fire in my life, God. I desire your fire in every area, Lord. I surrender every area, every area, every part, Lord. Let the fire fall, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. And we honor you and we love you. We thank you this morning. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a clap. Amen. Amen. Take a seat for just a moment. I'm going to close. What happened? Amen. Listen, guys. Over the next few weeks, we'll be diving into the subject. I have no doubt that God is moving already, and this year will be a year of refining for the church, for the body of Christ. You need... Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. We need to understand what this is all about so we can move into the future with everything God desires to do in our lives, to use us for His glory. 
I really pray that God bless you and strengthen and encourage you today as you leave this place. Come back tonight for a wonderful celebration, but come back next week as we dive into the subject. As we head towards the Daniel Fast and the Holy Spirit Fire Conference, I'm telling you this will be the best Holy Spirit Fire Conference we've ever had. God bless you. Let His peace be upon you. His face shine upon you. Let Him give you joy. Let Him give you strength. Let Him give you mercy. Have a wonderful time. Be safe tonight wherever you are. In the mighty name of Jesus, go into the new year with His blessing and His hand upon you. In Jesus' name, amen.